I wasn't very happy in my job at the time. I felt like there was so much more that I could do and that I could help people. I could help people better, but I could also reach more people. I very, very quickly decided that I was going to leave the gym and move everything that I was doing online. And from then on, things just fall into place. Today, I am joined by the yin to my yang, the calm to my chaos, the apple to my orange. Is that it? <laughs> I don't know. Okay, it sounds like I'm literally talking about my lover and it's so funny because I was on a client call the other day. I don't know if I told you this yet, but I was actually talking about you and it literally sounded like I was talking about my romantic partner. So to everyone listening, it is time that you meet Noor. Now, Noor is oftentimes behind the scenes. However, recently she's made the decision that she wants to put herself out there more. And she's taking that leap. And this is probably going to be something that we talk about because many people are afraid to actually go out there and show their faces and put themselves out there to the world. But Noor has so, so much to share. And she's really the backbone of Impact School and how it all happens. So Noor, welcome to the podcast. I'm happy for us to be doing content today. I wanted to ask you, how did you get your job? Um, so I started out a few years ago. It feels like much longer than that, but, um, what, like almost three years now? Almost three years ago now. Um, in a junior level sales position. So I started out as an appointment setter. Um, oh my goodness, that feels like a decade ago. <laughs> um, but I started out as an appointment setter. And um, that was, I think I was there for a few months. That was um, something quite new for me. Um, but I was doing pretty well in that role. Um, and I started um, just seeing different ways that we could make that team in specific. I think that was the largest team at the time that we had at Impact School um, and just saw various ways that we could make that team more efficient um, so that we could kind of go above and beyond the KPIs that had been set for us um, and just started suggesting ideas as to how you know how we could be better um as a team and then after that I was moved into um a management position so started heading up that team very very quickly I actually remember the conversation Lauren you and I had you were on an elliptical you were on a cross trainer I was in America in the US yeah you in the US and you were on a cross trainer and we had like our um meeting with all the appointment setters and you were like uh no can you stay behind after and I was like ah! um <laughs> I think I was in Austin I was in Austin Texas and I remember because I, I can literally see that gym as I think about it because for you it was like in the afternoon for me it was really really early in the morning yeah. like 6 a.m or something and I've been thinking about mm-hmm. proposing this to you for a while but I knew you had this job in this gym and I was like, oh, mm-hmm. well, I, I know she's really, really busy, but she, like, you were so sharp. To this mm-hmm. day, I, I still have never seen someone as sharp as you in this role. Like, nor could book sales schools like nothing I've ever seen before. Some days, if 
our sales closes calendar was empty or there was just like loads of DMs or something, I still, even now, I'll message Nora and I'll be like, hey, Nora, you want to hit the DMs? And then we just both get on it. And then within like 20 minutes, we both booked like 10 sales calls each. <laughs> yeah, I actually remember a few months back when we had like an insane amount of unread messages um, in the DMs and you messaged me and you were like, should we go halves? And I was like, I was literally on a bus going somewhere. I was like, I was like, yeah, I've got 20 minutes. I was like, yeah, let's do it. And then I, you were like, you start at the top. I'll start at the bottom. We'll meet in the middle. <laughs> it works so good as well. It works so well. Then, oh my God. It was like 20 minutes. I love it. All done. All good. So what happened after that? So I was on the elliptical. You were somewhere random and, and I proposed to you, hey, no, you know, you want to you wanna take this role full time. What were you feeling at the time? Because I know this was a pretty big... I just remember this was like a big leap for you and it was yeah it, it was a big leap for me I think this was I think probably like end of Jan um and I wasn't very happy in my job at the time I felt like there was so much more that I could do and that I could help people I could help people better but I could also reach more people and at that point I had already transitioned most of my own I had a fitness health and fitness um, business I had transitioned that online um, and after we had that conversation I very very quickly decided that I was going to leave the gym and move um, move everything that I was doing online and then start working with impact school in more of a full-time capacity and then from then on things just you know, when like things just fall into place and like you don't really think about things, it just like everything just starts happening. That's kind of the only way that I can describe the next few months because I started devoting more of my time to working at Impact School versus what I was doing on the side. I remember I had hired someone to kind of help me manage my own stuff so that I could focus more with impact school and I remember being like I came to a point where I was like I actually enjoy what I'm doing at impact school more than coaching people health and fitness so I was and then at that point I was like I think it's time to close up shop so when <laughs> and jump so well, I was just gonna say when everything was falling into place what type of person did you see yourself as and and how were things feeling like, how are you showing up? Um, I think, so one of the things that, and, and you know this, but like people listening may not, one of the things that I, is it's kind of like a must for me. Like I have to feel like I'm being challenged and I'm growing all the time. <laughs> and I felt like every day when I showed up to work, showed up as in, you know, opened my laptop. <laughs> didn't have to go into an office um but every day when I started work I was challenged and there were things particularly at the beginning because I had never been in a management position in charge of 10 people ever in my life um and I was being asked to do things asked to show up in ways that meant that I had to work on myself and really really develop and take time to think about things and how I would respond in certain situations and the responsibility of having 
10 people under my wing that I'm looking after that I have to ensure are developing in the right ways, hitting KPIs, ensuring a good team dynamic. And I enjoyed that far more than what I was doing on the side. Mm. Um, And I just wasn't being challenged on the side as well. And I thought, I looked at myself, I think it was like three months after starting in a management capacity with Impact School. And I was like, if I look at myself at the at month one when I was offered that management role and now the amount of growth I was like I don't I don't have friends that can say that they have grown professionally and been given like the the level of responsibility was like this it was like going like skyrocketing up it's because of the nature of the business and how we operate I was like I don't I don't know anyone that that has that um, and that was really, really exciting. I was like, if this is me in three months, what's it going to be like in six months, a year, two, three? Like the opportunities are endless. And like I'm becoming a better person, a better leader. I'm developing skills that I didn't think I could develop, but like I'm good at. Um, and that was really exciting. Mm, so I have two things on that. The first is, because this is a, a big decision for a lot of people, is deciding between should I go for my own business or should I actually stick with growing with another company and having a position within another business? So for you, making that decision to actually no longer pursue your own business, which you were already doing, and then going in to another business and working there, how did you make that decision? What were the things that you factored into consideration? Yeah, I think... For me, it was it was a really like I feel like a lot of people would think that that's a really difficult decision, and maybe it is for some people. But for me, it was probably the easiest mm. choice that I that I made because it was more so like comparing the work that I was doing at Impact School versus the work that I was doing on my own, and they're they're also two completely different fields, like we health and fitness versus business um and like that was more exciting for me and I thought what I've always wanted to do is help people and like as cliche as that sounds like make a mark leave a mark on the world and I thought I can do that at impact school I can do that on a very very small scale to a degree doing what I was doing on the side Um, but for me as well, it was more so like the opportunity to work with you and to work with the phenomenal team that we had, we have, um, at Impact School. And that was really, really, really exciting for me. It was like, I have the opportunity to be surrounded by some of the best people in their respective areas at this company and the clients as well. I was like, this, that's really, 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 really cool. Like, I, there are health and fitness coaches at Impact School. So I didn't feel ever like I was giving something up. Um, If I had, I probably wouldn't have done it. But I never felt like, oh, okay, I'm going to have to choose this for various reasons. It was always, I, this is really exciting. I have the opportunity to like really get stuck in here and grow with a company that's growing really, really fast. (laughs) Um, versus doing something that I kind of 
I, I didn't have the same level of enjoyment and excitement. Um, yeah. And something you mentioned as well was that <laughs> the level of speed in which you were able to grow as a person, especially when you were first starting in this management role. And so how do you find relating to other people who are, you know, maybe you've grown up with or maybe you meet out and about in like bars and clubs or, well, you don't really go to bars and clubs that much, but, no. <laughs> but like, you know, how, how do you find it? Because as well, one of the things that is like very, very impressive um, is that, well, I guess for both of us, like we are still both decently young. But the amount of experience that we have had, because our days are also different, is like we've had like yeah. 10 years worth of experience in like two months, yeah. right? Because we have a different day yeah. every day. Whereas a lot of people, they live the same day again and again. That's kind of Groundhog Day. So they're not really developing their skills. So, yeah, how is it for yeah. you uh, essentially like making friends and, and socially? Because, I mean, yeah, like it, this job is a lot and it's a big job. Yeah, that is such a good question. Um, and I completely agree with everything you said. Like, I often get asked by friends, by my mum asked me this the other day. She's like, what are you doing every day? And I'm like, I can't tell you. Like, I can tell you broadly speaking, like every single morning I check certain things. I check in with people that I'm like, you know, directly responsible for. I make sure that everyone's doing, you know, like the people that I manage are, they know what they're doing. You and I talk every day. Like there are certain things that I do every day, but in terms of like things that I have to do and execute on, that's changing on a daily basis. That's very, very different. And most people will be like, I go into the office, I check my email, I get a call from my supervisor, I have to go and, you know, put this together and then I have to do that and then I have to do that. Then I go on a lunch break. My Our days aren't like that. Like there are days where you can be more flexible and then there are days where, you know, we're in the middle of a launch and it's really, really, really hectic and like, you know, you and I are like up to our eyeballs in <laughs> like stress. Um, but to, to answer your question, it's hard um, because, I mean, I think my friends till now, like people that I've grown up with, the friends that I met at uni, they still don't really get it. They don't like if they were if, if we were to ask them, what does Nor do? They'd be like, um, well, um, and they would have slightly different answers. Um, and it, it's quite difficult, I think, for people to relate because this job is so unique and what we do isn't we're not like a massive corporate and you know you would if you worked as part of a ma massive corporation you would have things in common with someone else who works as part of a massive corporation like it is quite difficult and the position that I'm in as well in the company I feel like is even more difficult to relate to because there's a lot of responsibility and I haven't met anyone my age that has that level of responsibility like um, I was talking to someone a few days ago and they were like, yeah, so what is it that you do? I'm like, well, we have a team of like X amount of people and, you know, just blah, blah, blah. And started talking to them and their eyes just kind of like widened in their head. And I was like, yeah, so that's kind of, that's, that's my job. Like, that's what I do. And she was like, oh my God, that's insane. And I was like, yeah, it's, it's, it's tough and it's amazing. And there are, various difficulties and challenges 
but it's so rewarding. And I think meeting new people as well, people are always a little bit shocked because it's not a traditional job. Like all my friends have traditional jobs, lawyers, doctors, you know, HR people, etc. And like, we don't do something that's super, super traditional. Um, so it, it's hard, but I think you and I this year, and I think the team will say this as well if we ask them, you and I have gotten a lot better at having a life outside of work because <laughs> I think the last few years we've struggled mm. um, and it's been, it's been difficult because, like I said, when you have so much responsibility on your shoulders, you almost feel guilty for taking time and taking a step back. And I think I have to constantly remind myself that if I'm not taking care of myself, I can't show up for my team and for you the way that you guys deserve and the way that I want to show up. So taking care of myself and if I'm having a really rough day saying to you, hey, Lauren, like I'm losing it. I need to go and sort myself out. So I'm going to do that for a few hours and then I'll check in. And the only response that I've ever received is, please do. <laughs> and I'll check in with you in a few hours to make sure you're okay. Um, and I think that's really, really important as well, because I think I've definitely noticed a change in you over the last few months as to, because you're taking more time to take care of yourself, you're showing up better, you're more patient, you're more passionate, like in team meetings, you're more lively and more passionate about the projects that we're working on and the team feed off of that. And I'm trying to mimic that as well and making sure that I'm taking the time for myself. So when we're in meetings, when I'm doing one-to-ones with the team, when you and I are talking about exciting things, I'm there and I'm 150% present. I'm not tired or stressed or thinking about something else that I have to do, but I'm, I'm in it. And that's really important. You know, that's so, I, I, I undervalued that for so long, for so many years, because I just thought that for myself, especially, I thought that my output would lead by, by example. And I thought that the higher right. my output, the more I'm hustling, the more hours that I'm putting in would equal more output for the overall company and everyone else would want to follow suit. And I think there is something to be said about that. Like leading by example is important, but Exactly as you said, I was getting to the point where I was just beginning to resent even little tasks that I needed to do. And I kind of got into this weird mindset of like, oh, well, you know, I need to just, I need to, I need to like train on how to do everything. So every time I would do something, I had this mindset of I have to turn it into an SOP, a standard operating procedure. Mm -hmm. Whereas now it's just like, okay, no, instead we need to make sure that we have the right people on the bus who know how to do it better than me anyways. And they're going to figure it out for themselves. It's like delegating that responsibility versus like each individual task. And it's so amazing because sometimes I'll get into my old habit of saying, okay, you're going to do this and then you're going to do that. And then they'll just like be sat there kind of just like with a little smile on their face. I was just on a call with someone from our team just before this, like an hour ago. And she was just kind of smiling. And I was like, so you got it? She's like, yeah, I got it. I'm going to do da 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 And she like listed this massive <laughs> And I was like, okay, I never would have been able to have figured that out for myself. It's like, just take a step back and trust in the process. Because when you bring the right people on the team, it's that whole concept of who, not how. And then they're going to be able to figure out the how because you've got the right who in the, in the team. And that's something that I feel like we've learned 
the hard way. <laughs> Definitely the hard way. But no, you mentioned something. You said your team that you manage. And I actually don't think I've asked you this before, but I'd love to know your stance on the difference between management and leadership. Because I think this is a great topic. Yeah. Um, if you had asked me three years ago, I probably wouldn't have been able to give you an answer. But I think... I think you can teach someone how to be quite easily. You can teach someone to be a decent manager. It's it's not very difficult. You have to have visibility. You have to be able to know what's happening. You have to be able to have uncomfortable conversations, um, hold people accountable. Like, you know, I could give someone a checklist and be like, you need to do all these things and you'll be a decent manager. Leadership is, a, is much more difficult, not to say that you can't teach someone or coach someone in how to become a better leader, but there are people that naturally have that almost innate ability to inspire people and to lead people. And then there are others that have to kind of work and, and nurture that a little bit more and develop that. Um, so I think I started um, in kind of a, a management position um like on paper um but very quickly and I think as well it's like I care about our team a lot and like I think the people that we work with are incredible and they they inspire me so it's not very difficult to I don't want that sounds like really you know like big-headed like it's not that difficult to inspire them but it's not that difficult to kind of um when I speak about certain things or I speak to people, speak in a way that people are like, yeah, I'm going to get on board. Um, And I think as well, like being passionate about the work that we do. And you and I had this conversation like a few weeks ago when um, I was talking about how sometimes in your position, in my position, it's quite easy to not forget why we're here, but because we're quite removed, I'm I'm now very removed from the one-to-one coaching process. I used to coach and now I don't really have very much hands-on time with our clients, but that's why we're here. And sometimes it's, sometimes I find myself forgetting that. And then I'll have a conversation with our team lead um, for the coaching team or one of our coaches and they'll share something with me and I'm like, oh my God that's insane. Like, that's why we're here. Like we're changing people's lives. And my sister works for, my sister has her dream job and she works for someone who came to us and was juggling three jobs and a degree. And when she left, she was just doing her business and she had hit 10K, 10K months for the first time consecutively for I think three or four months. And now her business is flourishing. And we did that. And we built that foundation with her. And that's so powerful. So I think for me, you know, like the team gives lovely feedback and stuff, but I don't, it's quite, and that sounds again, like quite big headed, but it's quite easy to be a good leader when you love what you do and you believe in it and you're passionate about it. Because people, if you get excited, like I'm like here, like squirt, like if you're listening to this, you can't see, but I'm like squirming in my seat. And getting excited about talking about our clients because 
I genuinely believe in what we do. And I've been lucky enough to be a part of some of our clients' journeys that I've worked with one-to-one. And we still get messages from people who, you know, have gone on. We get messages being like, oh my God, like I wouldn't be here without you. I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing without you. When I hear of their client stories and the kind of knock-on effect that we've had, I'm like, oh my goodness. (laughs) Sometimes it's overwhelming because you were like, you know, we do what we do and we, you know, we've built frameworks and we, we have incredible, you know, an incredible team of coaches and an incredible team who help people, you know, get to where they are. And sometimes when you sit down and think about the numbers <laughs> and the impact, it can get a bit overwhelming. But I think to go back to your question, it's not, very difficult to be a good manager, but there are various things that you kind of have to embody um, in order to be a good leader. I think passion is a huge one of them, the ability to inspire, the ability to motivate. um, I think those are really, really important. And it's difficult because not everyone can do that. Like you have really successful people who aren't really too fussed about what they do. you know, they're very brainy, but like when you put them in front of a group of, you know, I don't know, 20 people, you put them in front of a team and they're just talking numbers and there's no passion there. Like when you and I talk about things, we see the team, you know, pitching in, getting excited. It's like we, everyone's kind of bouncing off of each other. This is going to sound ridiculous, but the energy in the virtual room <laughs> You can feel that. Like, I know that sounds ridiculous because like we're all, we operate online completely. So, you know, at various points over the last few years, Lauren and I have been in the same room. And that, to be fair, that energy was insane when we had that team meeting. And I remember we were in the apartment in Dubai and we were like, you know, like, like bouncing off of each other. The team was sitting there like really, really keen and like eager. Um, But we, we mimic that energy virtually as well. And I think the team can see that and feeds off of that. So I feel like I've waffled on for a really long time. (laughs) Um, But yeah, so I think that that's kind of my answer, management versus um, leadership. Yeah, no, I think it's beautiful because, see, I never understood this concept either. And it's funny because back in the day when I was uh, on my business degree for that short period of time before I dropped out, they were actually proposing this topic to us and this is actually the one thing that I remember was quite interesting to me because I just but I just couldn't get my head around it and it's like only when I actually see this in reality and I identified things about myself and about different people on our team have I realized there is such a huge difference and it was interesting because back at uni they were trying to teach us that each manager and each leader needs to be a manager and a leader so it's also really interesting seeing what they were trying to teach us which actually just categorically isn't true because for example I'm a terrible manager like I'm a really really bad manager we talk about this all the time but that's because I'm terrible at accountability I will either be way too strict or way too loose and have unrealistic deadlines or like just kind of let people just figure it out for themselves and so it's just it's just not something that I have an interest to even sharpen my skill set on necessarily because I know that I can hire great managers right? When I, I'd rather not have to be checking people's KPIs every day. I'd rather just have someone tell me these are the numbers. And then I can strategically think about what I need to do to increase or improve those numbers as a, as from the grand scheme of things. 
But something else as well, Nor, that you mentioned was like this difference between a producer and then a manager. Because naturally the right of passage for people in a company is typically take a really good producer who's a really good executor and then once they have become the best or they've had the most experience, put them into the management position so that they can build a team of more producers just like that. But again, we've seen this time and time again where we will move someone who's bloody good at what they do into a position of management because we think that they should be a manager, but then they end up failing. We've literally set them up to fail because they're not people, people. (laughs) They're not person people, (laughs) however you say that, because they like to just sit on their laptop and do their thing behind a screen and not talk to anyone. That is not conducive to being a good manager, right? That's not necessarily going to mean that they immediately have empathy just because they're good at what they do. So I want to know from you, Noor, like when, because you do most of the vetting of new people coming onto our team, like pretty much all the hiring and the HR side of things. Mm. And so when it comes to what you look for in a candidate who you're bringing into Impact School, how do you identify like whether or not this is going to be a good person? Because just to give some context for anyone who's listening, I in the past have made snap of the finger decisions to hire someone or to hire a coach or a consultant. And Noor is telling me like while I'm hiring them, yeah, well, I just, I don't know, Lauren, I just have a bad feeling about them. And she says this to me and I'm like, no, no, it's fine. This person's done this, this and this, whatever. And Noor will always question me and say, have you researched who they've worked with in the past? Have you seen some of their Have you actually looked at their CV? Have you read their cover letter? In my head, I'm thinking like, I didn't even realize that people still wrote cover letters. (laughs) And so in the past, when I've made these click of the finger decisions, we've either ended up getting scammed. I've hired someone who's been totally toxic, who's absolutely ruined the entire culture at the business. And then Noor has to come in and fix it. <laughs> so, so Noor, you have a much better judgment than me when it comes to these things. I think I just get excited and I see people's potential. Like I see the potential in everyone, which actually is a downside for me sometimes because I can fail to see the potential consequences of how they could not live up to those expectations. So, yeah, what do you look for in a good uh, in a good hire? Um. I think, I mean, let's take this broadly speaking, because I'll look for different things depending on, you know, the department, the position, um, the role, etc. But I think I feel again, like I hate sounding big headed, but I feel like I am a very good judge of character. Um, So a large part of it is that feeling that I get when speaking to someone, I think, and I've always said this, you can tell when someone is genuine. And you can tell when they're putting on a front. And I think when people go into interviews, a lot of people will kind of put on this facade of who they think you want them to be. And that is, to me, very, very obvious. I can tell if someone is answering a question in the way that they think I would like for them to answer it versus they're just being who they are and they're answering it how they they want to. Um, there is a process that I go through, like, again, this is, of course, of course, (laughs) (laughs) Um, it's slightly different depending on the role, but I will typically go through three or four rounds with an individual before actually making them an offer. The final round will be 
um, typically, particularly for any any management or leadership position, I will always bring Lauren in at the very, very end. And that will be kind of like the last stage of that um, of that process, making sure that she, because Lauren and I are quite different. And I think that's, that is a real asset because sometimes I bring someone on and then they meet Lauren and Lauren's like, there's something not right. And I'm like, oh my God, what is she seeing that I'm not seeing? And vice versa, sometimes Lauren brings someone on and um, as in like to introduce to me and we'll get on a call and then Lauren and I will stay on after that call. And she's like, what did you think? And I'm like, there is something not right there. And Lauren's like, what? <laughs> um, so I think it's, it's good to always have a second opinion because sometimes the way that I've um, perceived someone or the feeling that I get is, is different to um, someone else on the team. Um, and then at the start, like I'll always want them to kind of demonstrate their work in some capacity. So, um, with the coaching team, for instance, I have created fictional clients, um, and kind of done a business audit and sent that out to the coaches that I'm looking to bring on and have them create a plan of action. Um, so like immediate steps, things that they would like the client to do in order to kind of move them further along the journey and then kind of a long term plan, let's say three months. Um, and then I'd compare that to kind of what I would have done, but then also to get a sense of are their teachings aligned with impact school? Do they know what it is that we do? Broadly speaking, because obviously they haven't come in, they haven't seen our frameworks, they haven't been trained, etc. And the first kind of stage is an interview um, and it's just with me and I ask them various things. Um, some things that you guys might find really, really weird, but like they're important to me because of the culture that we have at Impact School. So there was this one guy, I remember he was a video editor and I was like, just walk me through a day. Just tell me what you do from when you wake up to when you go to bed. And if you, kind of follow Lauren on socials, you'll understand why this is I'm important laughing. because <laughs> everyone at Impact School is, um, you know, we care about our health, we, physical, mental. Um, we, you know, make sure that everyone's kind of okay. We're not lazy people. Like everyone's really kind of proactive. So that you can get a sense of someone from their day. And I ask them to walk me through a working day and then like a day where they're not really working. And this is really, really important because like Lauren and I wake up at the same time every day, unless like we have gone to bed horrifically late and then like we have to, we probably will still wake up at the same time and then try take a nap. Um, but that's important. And I think the majority of our team is the same. And this one video editor was like, yeah, I roll out of bed at, literally I roll out of bed at like midday and already I'm like, ooh, okay. So like, but again, like I'm not, you know, maybe maybe his his body clock is set differently to mine. So I'm like, oh, okay. You know, is that because you go to bed? Is that because you're working till late? And he went, no, it's because I'm playing video games. And I was like, oh my gosh, you didn't tell me that part. <laughs> I was like, this is an interview. <laughs> like you're trying to sell yourself. I'm really confused. So then I was like, oh, and is that a rest day? He was like, no, that's a work day. 
And I was like, okay. So I was like, so walk me through the rest of your day. And it just went downhill from there. And I was like, okay, well, thank you. We'll be in touch. <laughs> um, oh, gosh. It was wow. horrific. And then I sent him an email being like, I'm really sorry. Like, I just don't think it's going to be a good fit. Um, but that's like one of the big questions that I ask um, everyone. And then I also go through some situational judgment questions. So I will, I've sat in pretty much every single department with the exception of tech and marketing. Um, but what I will do is, and, and that's why like for marketing, Lauren will be more involved with that hiring process. Like she'll look at copy, she'll look at funnels, like depending on what, what we're hiring for. Um, but I'll ask, I'll ask them questions and see how they deal with certain situations. So I'll be like, for instance, a coach, like you've got a client, here is the situation. It's typically something that I've dealt with and it's like a quite a difficult situation. What would you do? How would you respond? See if they're proactive, if they can think on their feet, what sort of solutions they come up with. Is it kind of aligned with how we would deal with things? Um, putting the client first, making sure they're happy, going above and beyond, etc. cetera. Um, and then they'll kind of progress on to the next um, phase. The most intense hiring process I've ever gone through is the coaching um, hires that we did, I'd say like six months ago now. And we put out, I think Lauren, you sent an email to our list. That, em- that email was crazy. How many, we had like, we have more than a hundred applications, right? Or maybe even more. I think we, no, I, yeah, I think we had like, I think it was like 140. That's insane. And I went through all those applications, narrowed it, narrowed it down to 60. So like slashed it in half essentially. And then from there, I sent them a task to do, I think. And then from there, I narrowed it down to about 20, 23, 24. And I interviewed 23, 24, narrowed it down again, sent them another task and then ended up with four that we brought on board. Um, But that was like, yeah, they're incredible. And like, I genuinely think we found the best Mm. of the best. But that hiring process, I was like, this system works. (laughs) Yeah, the power of systems, Um, right? The power of systems. No, no, it was amazing. I was going to say another thing. And this is so funny because this interview is supposed to be all about Noor, but she just goes into delivering value. It's just classic Noor. But I was going to say one other thing (laughs) is that one important thing, for everyone to pay attention to. After you interviewed that guy who was the video editor who told you that he rolled out of bed, even though he was a terrible candidate, you still followed up with him after the interview. Because how you do one thing is how you do everything. And we have a belief and a value at Impact School, which is total follow-through. And it's like, you want to follow up with someone after. If you say you're going to do something, you need to do it. And you need to do it again, right? You need to email them and then you need to, you know, you just want to make sure that you come at them from all angles. It's just a polite thing to do. And I think that's really key as well. Like a conversation that we talk about a lot now is what are our company's values? How can we make sure that we're operating in alignment with those values? How can we refine our values? How can we make sure that we're serving the market in alignment to them? Like yesterday, I was working on that activity, breaking down the four components of what does Impact School do? And then we have our four different areas which we operate within. And so it's just making sure you ask yourself, like, why do we do this part? 
why do we have this section? Why have we invested so many months, like nearly two years now, and so much money into building a custom software? Because we want to remove roadblocks for practitioners and entrepreneurs so that they can teach what they do at scale more easily, right? This is the thing. And so with regards to like, with regards to some of the things, Nor, that you would say are the hardest part about your job, I, you know, don't hold anything back, but I would love you to share that because I really think that you get to have such an intimate relationship with our entire team and also our day-to-day runnings and also the growth and the vision of where we're going in the future. And so there's a lot of stuff that I know that, that you do that I don't do that I would really hate to do. But then there's also stuff that I want to ask you another question about that in a minute, actually. But yeah, like what are some of those things that you would say are the, the hardest? Um, that's a really good question. And I think if you had asked me this three months ago or four months ago, my answer would have been very, very different to what it is now. Um, and I think, again, like a lot has changed over the last four months. That sounds ridiculous, but, it but has. also not. And I was going to say really quickly, that's such a good point, because I think we should actually do another episode in the future, which is the difference between COO versus head of operations. Because you've transcended, yeah. you've transcended yeah. into this, and and I always find it a bit weird saying like COO, CEO, because like we're not like a publicly traded company. But at the end of the day, I have actually researched it, and it is accurate. Like technically, it is actually accurate, even though it feels weird. Like I, I feel yeah. a bit weird saying like I'm a CEO and like you're a COO, but it's actually true. Like it actually is. So this is the cool thing, but you've now transcended from like head of operations and you've even actually, this is another cool thing to talk about. The best leaders and the best team members replace themselves. Discuss. (laughs) (laughs) Discuss. Um, It sounds like an essay question. Exactly. Um, (laughs) It's impact school. That's why. It is impact school. I think that's really interesting. And I think I remember, I think this was around the time Clubhouse came out and you and I were like talking about our profiles. And like, at this point I was like, hold my hand up, not great with social media. Like it's not really my thing. Um, I'm, I'm getting more into it, but like, it wasn't really my thing back then. And I was saying to you, you know, what shall I have on my profile, blah, 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 because I was using it like you and I were going to go on there and talk about things. So it was important for people to kind of know who I was and like what I did at the company and stuff. And I remember you and I having this conversation of me saying at that point in time, people referred to me as the COO of Impact School. And I remember I had that in my email tagline. Um, But I remember saying to you, like, I don't want to put that in the bio because I don't feel like I'm there yet. And I, and I said, I think we should just put director of ops or head of yeah, ops or something like that. that. And you were yeah. like, do you remember that? Yeah. And now that I have a head of operations underneath me, under that sounds really weird, like reporting to me, <laughs> um, I feel like I can sit in that seat and I can sit in that seat confidently. And it makes sense for me to sit in that seat because the stuff that I'm doing on a day-to-day basis like this 
and talking, having conversations about our software and going on the design sprints and for our software. That stuff is COO stuff, you know, and talking to Mari, who's our head of ops, um, and making sure that she feels comfortable and feels supported and essentially her feeding stuff back to me. That's a COO um, role. And I feel like we've gotten there now. So to go back to your question, the difficult parts of my job, it's changed a lot. I think now so it's, I feel more of like, there was, I felt like I had a lot of responsibility on my shoulders the last few years that I was in that head of ops seat, but it was more so the responsibility of the team and their productivity and their output and their morale that was on my shoulders. Um, I didn't feel as much responsibility. I did to a degree, but not as much as I do now um, in terms of how well the company's doing, in terms of finances, in terms of um, strategic decisions and choices and who we work with and who we, you know, who we talk to, who we get advice from. Like, I feel now more responsible for that sort of stuff and that's really exciting but also quite terrifying as well um because now it's not just like oh lauren will solve that you know there's an issue here but like it's not really within my domain i don't know how much i can do there lauren will take care of that now it's more so there's an issue there or there's a risk there Lord have mercy, like I'm going in, like I'm not even gonna talk to Lauren about it. I'm just gonna go in and like fix it and then make sure that she's happy with how like we're aligned in terms of how we're going about solving that, rectifying that issue. Um, and again, that's more so a CEO, COO position and how they interact. Um, so I think difficulties of my job now think that responsibility is probably I wouldn't say that's a difficulty because I'm not sitting here being like oh that's so hard like I can't do it like it's challenging but I feel very comfortable being uncomfortable if that makes sense at all um like I do feel confident that I'm not out of my depth mm. <laughs> um because maybe six months ago or a year ago I would have been like, I wasn't comfortable. And I said to you, I was like, I'm not comfortable with people referring to me as the COO. That carries a whole host of things that I'm not there yet. I don't feel like I'm there yet. And I feel like I'm there now. And I also feel, if you had asked me as well, six months ago, difficulties, I would have said, like, taking care of myself, mm -hmm. doing things that I, that fueled me so that I can come into work and be like, I'm here and, and, you know, like I'm going to be able to contribute and perform to my highest caliber. That was a real issue for me six months ago. And now I don't feel like that's the case at all. I feel like when I'm here, I'm here and I'm fully here and I'm able to contribute a lot more and like higher caliber stuff <laughs> than I was because I'm not tired. I'm not burnt out. I wake up with energy. I mean, like we all have our days, right? But like for the most part, the way that I operate personally and the way that I show up now, I feel like is very, very different. So I feel like I've overcome that difficulty, but that's really hard. Like, 
and I feel like, I don't know, people are going to get mad because I'm like, I don't have like, I don't have like difficulties. Like every, the job is difficult. There's a lot of responsibility. You have to have uncomfortable conversations. If a team member isn't performing, you know, consistently and we have to let them go, I have those conversations. Those conversations are difficult to have. And I was telling Lauren, and I think we're going to do a different episode on this about having to let people go, having to fire people, because I get a lot of questions from my friends as to, oh my God, I have to have this conversation. How do I do it? And I'm like, sit down, let me tell you. Um, And the first time that I had to fire someone, I remember it's one of the worst days. I'd never done that before. And there were tears after the conversation. I obviously didn't break down in front of this person. And then... And then I just, I just got on with it. It's part of the biz- it's part of business. It's part of the role that I had that I have now. Um, and you've got to separate business with the personal. And obviously, you have to be empathetic and respectful. But if someone isn't moving, helping you move your business forward, do you know what I mean? You can't have that sunk cost mentality of like, but they've been here for so long, and you know we really like them. If there isn't a role available, there isn't a role available, and you just have to bite your tongue and do it and just develop slightly thicker skin, which I think Lauren, you and I have both over the last three years, our skin has <laughs> just a little bit. <laughs> There's just been a couple of, couple of situations, but no, how did you, how did you learn all this? Right? Because as you mentioned, this was at impact school, your first management position, and then you climbed up through the ranks. Like how did you continue to learn all these different things? Mm. Um, very good question I think I have been managed before like outside of impact school I've had jobs and I've worked in retail I've worked at a gym being managed and then I had my own like I rented space out of a gym Um, I worked at a supermarket when I was like like very very young I have been managed before and I'm very critical I don't know how good that is to say I'm quite critical of people I think my you know like if I feel like someone isn't being empathetic or being rude or you know not acting in a way that they should you know given their position I make note of that so I think being managed was helpful because I came into that management role knowing I don't want to be like this I don't want to do this um and then I think we you and me have learned a lot over the last few years and just being open to learning and being open to I want to say failing because that's a really hard word but being open to falling and then learning from that and picking yourself up and making sure that you don't make those mistakes again like I've made mistakes here but I think what what makes that okay is I've learned from those mistakes and I've put them in my bank (laughs) and I haven't repeated those mistakes and they've made me better and I've shared those mistakes with the team openly and with you And that's contributed to everyone learning from those mistakes as well. And then I think just, you know, the continued development that we do on our own. So like reading, like you and I send each other books, podcasts, like Lauren sends me essentially a podcast every day. She's like, oh my God, I just listened to this. This is amazing. You'll love it. Listen, 20 minutes in, go. And I'm like, okay. Um, And that stuff is really, really valuable. And I think it's not enough and I learned this from you, Lauren, really early on. Lauren once said to me, she was like, listen to this, take notes. And I thought she was joking. And then, 
And then we got on a call and Lauren was like, on her phone, like, so wait, I made a note. And I was like, oh my God, she's actually taking notes. Um, and I, I now have like a notes section in my phone that's like, I have a books one and a podcast one. And like, whenever I'm on the go and, or just like sat down and just, you know, want to kind of listen to something valuable, I'll just make notes of things that I think are going to be helpful for me or that I want to share with Lauren or want to share with the team or something. Um, and that's really valuable. And then the last thing that I want to say is being open to feedback is so important. So like I try um, and make it known to the team that I'm always open to feedback, like whether it's there's no such thing as like bad feedback. It's all valuable, but you have to be open to hearing it. And I think that's really important. And sometimes, because obviously I'm in a leadership position here, sometimes I realized kind of early on, okay, people don't feel comfortable saying the way that you said that was really harsh. Um, and I needed to create that space for people to be okay sharing that with me. Because if I was, if I lacked empathy, which for me is a really big thing, like you can be firm and you can get your point across, but we're people at the end of the day and we have to be empathetic with our team who we work so closely with. So I wanted to create that space for people to feel comfortable um, giving feedback to me and to Lauren. And I think Lauren gives me feedback all the time and I give her feedback all the time. Um, and sometimes after a call, you know, Lauren will check in and be like, are you okay? Your energy seemed really low, blah, blah. And I was like, oh my God, I didn't notice. I hope the team didn't notice, blah, blah, blah. Um, and that makes me better as well. It makes me more self-aware. And the same goes for Lauren. Like sometimes Lauren will say something and I'm like, did you realize that like, you know, you said that and like, it could be construed as this. And Lauren's like, oh my God, no. <laughs> um, and then, you know, we, we do it that way. So I think being open to feedback is really important and being able to take that feedback and implement it is even more important because there's no point in you being like, yeah, tell me what, tell me what you think. And then being like, Meh. <laughs> um, you have to be able to take that on board and implement it to make, to make you better. Yeah. And it's the same with books and reading and all of that. If you take notes, yes, but you also want to execute on it. And we've been on calls for a long time, just when we've read a book or something, just going through the activities and exercises. It's kind of like when people go through yeah. courses and they don't actually do the course. I would actually hold, you yeah. know, hold yourself accountable to that. If you're getting on the course, why are you not doing all of the activities? And I wanted to ask you as well, Noor, so something that was really profound that I had honestly forgotten about was when you said to me, yeah, I, I don't feel like I'm ready for this COO position. And so, yeah, that was over a year ago to this day. And so clearly there's a lot that has changed in between now and then. And you mentioned the fact that we have now a head of operations, so that's allowed you to get in that position. But it doesn't just happen just like that, just from hiring someone else. You had to see, start seeing yourself as a different person and growing into yeah. that new person and then actually feeling that you have the confidence and the ability to step up and into that role. So how do you see yourself now versus how you saw yourself then? And what changed in between now and then? That's such a hard question. Um, <laughs> I think, um, 
I think I'm still doing the work. I'll be completely honest. I still think that I am. There are days where I wake up and I, this is going to sound stupid, but there are days where I wake up and I feel like a COO. Like I feel like that, like that position that I, that I embody. And I feel, you know, I'm very, very happy to talk to people outside of work who ask me what I do and confidently say, yeah, like blah, blah, blah. I have a team. This is what I do. Um, and then there are days where, and I opened up to Lauren about this yesterday. Um, there are days where I kind of diminish what I do. And that's something that I'm working on. You do that way too much, by the way, you've even done it while on this podcast. And like you, you you say things like, Oh, I don't want to sound arrogant or, or," but that's, it's just the fact. Like it is literally the fact and you've earned your way here. You know what I mean? That's the difference. Yeah. And I think as well, like it comes from various people over the last few years being like, you know, like I, in terms of timeline, I stepped into a management position at impact school at the very start of the pandemic where most people were really like a lot of people had lost their jobs. A lot of people were struggling. People were on furlough in, in London, in the UK. Um, a lot of my friends were not working. They were sitting at home because they couldn't work. They couldn't get to the office there. You know, they were on furlough or, you know, they were moved to part-time, whatever. And I was working more than I've ever worked and learning and developing more than I could ever have thought was possible for me. And I think, you know, various people over the last few years have made comments to me like, oh, you're so lucky. Um, or, you know, like, oh, that's so great. Like everything just worked out. And I think I internalized that to be like, yeah, you know, it was a combination of circumstance, luck that resulted in where I am. And the last six months have been, and like, I'm sure we'll get into this in the future, but the last six months have been really difficult. And they've forced me to sit down and think about things and think about why I hold certain ideas or why when people are like, oh, that's really impressive. I'm like, oh no, it's not as impressive as you think it is. Like, that's just like, it's like a visceral reaction that I have when people are like, oh wow, that sounds insane that you do that. And I'm like, it's not as, you know, it's not as great. It's not as fancy as you think. Like I don't do that much. Um, and I, and I'm trying hard and it's something I'm still working on to stop myself from doing that because it is impressive and a lot of I always say like like sweat blood and tears have gone into where Lauren and I are right now like it has not been easy there have been a lot of breakdowns a lot of tears a lot of feeling really lonely like Lauren and I have a relationship outside of work and I feel very lucky that we that we have that because otherwise the journey would have been horrifically lonely, but it's almost, and like maybe Lauren, you didn't have this, like someone who had been on the journey, but like earlier than you. So when I was feeling certain ways, you were like, yeah, I've been there. You know, like I felt that way too. Like it is really lonely. It is really stressful. The responsibility, the stress, it can get to you. Um, but I'm still working on not diminishing that. And like someone said to me a few weeks ago, oh yeah, you've been so lucky. And I kind of snapped and I was like, no, I haven't. Like it's been freaking hard. I've worked more than you probably could imagine was possible to fit into a day. Um, and it's been tough 
navigating a global pandemic while trying to run a company and grow and manage a team of 40 people like mm, I don't think and I and they were kind of like oh I didn't mean it like that and I went okay well you know just <laughs> just wanted to clarify um and I think now it's starting to rub me the wrong way and I think I don't really know what it is if it's like oh someone that young and like Lauren you get this all the time and when I see it I lose it like I I'm like Lauren and I have been in certain situations where like we'll be talking to someone we'll be in a meeting or something and someone will say something and I'll just put my camera off because I'm like, I need to compose myself because I'm really transparent. So if I'm upset or angry or frustrated, it will show on my face. Um, and I'm like, I'll like, or I'll just go like, I'll move off of camera. <laughs> and Lauren will know immediately what's happened, what's gone on. But it just rubs me the wrong way because I think when people see two females early mid mid 20s um who lead a company and who are growing the company and who are able to hold conversations and hold their own in meetings with really really you know brilliant business people they some people find that really difficult to reconcile they're like but they're so young and they're two women and they're doing this all on their own and like we don't we we don't we're not part of like a business coaching like do you know what I mean like we do this on our own like we don't have people telling us do this do that do that and you'll get here like we talk to people in the industry but our decisions are our decisions we're not kind of told to do certain things and people find that difficult to kind of understand and I'm, I'm happy that, and like Lauren says this to me all the time, I'm like, <laughs> if we're in a meeting and someone kind of is out of line, I'll be like, can I go? Like, can I, can I, can I talk? Can I get on them? And Lauren's like, I love this snore. I love it. Please do. And I'll be like, okay, cool. Um, it's getting, <laughs> so sad. Yeah, because it's getting to a point now where it just frustrates me more than anything. Like, I think we've worked so hard to get to where we are and it's starting to really, really bother me when people put it down to luck or circumstance or, um, you know, like the universe just, I'm like, no, I was like, that's not what happened. I'm like, it was really, really hard. We've worked our asses off to get here, excuse the language. And we continue to work hard every day and it's not easy and not everyone can do it because people crack and just, are like I can't like it's just too much responsibility like we have a, a massive team and I feel that responsibility now more than ever to ensure that we as a company do as well as we want to do so that we can reward our team so we can grow our team so that we can treat our team the way that we want them to be treated um and that's not something that many people my age no one that I know has that except Lauren <laughs> on their shoulders um so I think I'm starting to get more comfortable being a little bit more aggressive with the success that I personally have had and that the company has and a little bit more protective over that position and how I got there, which I think is good. But like I said, it's not perfect. And there are still, Lauren, I'm sure you struggle with this as well. Like imposter syndrome is a thing. <laughs> like it is a clinical thing. Um, it is, it is difficult. And, and, and I think the most successful people in the world would be kidding themselves if they said that that sometimes didn't creep into their, into the back of their, their minds. Um, it is hard. And I think when you have people around you 
not not that the people around me put down my achievements, but they just don't get it. And I think because I'm not so public about my day and what that entails and the stress and the responsibility, like I don't talk about it on social media. I don't do stuff like this where we talk about the things that we've gone through and the difficulties of being in the roles that we're at. People just don't get it. So when they see the lifestyle that I live, the flexibility that I have in terms of work, that I can work from anywhere in the world, that I don't have to leave my house and I'm a very much like I'm a home person and that's amazing for me, um, that I can, you know, do the things that I want to do, that I don't have to go into some office uh, and, and stay at the office till three in the morning. They're like, oh, you're so lucky. And I'm like, no, that's not what it is. Thank you. So yeah, that's like, a. I don't know if I even answered your question. I just felt like I went off on a tangent. <laughs> I think it'll be really interesting to do an episode on like our biggest, most difficult moments in business. I was saying to Lauren, like when you go through trauma, your brain sort of rewrites events and like diminishes certain things that you experienced or blocks out certain things that you've experienced in order to protect you and like to protect your mind so I think so it'll be really interesting to like hear Lauren's take on certain events and then mine because I I'm pretty sure that we'll remember things we'll have different memories of certain things like maybe I know Lauren said something to me the other day and I was like I had actually forgotten about that like it didn't happen in my mind <laughs> Mm-hmm. but it did well, yeah like when the podcast got hacked when our entire yeah. website got hacked and deleted when all of our every single how many hundreds of videos we had in our yeah. portal got deleted every single one of them imagine hundreds of videos that you've built over years get deleted that your clients are using actively on a daily basis I had totally forgotten about that well I think the other really interesting thing is that confidence comes with success as well and I think now you have so much evidence as to the success and the results that you've also had with Impact School, not only with our team, but also with our clients and also the ability to create change. Like the fact that you've like, do you want to actually explain what you did with the entire internal workings? Because I feel like that will help people understand just an example of one of the things that you have done in the last few months when it comes to in proving the entire systems and being able to bring in our new head of ops to be able to run all those systems you know let frameworks run the business and let people run those frameworks let systems run the business let people run those systems like so do you want to just give an overview of that because I also think that's why you've been able to become so much more you know stepping into that sassy nor right that sassy nor that I love so much and it's not even sassy it's just certain yeah. And it's just you standing up for what you believe in. So yeah, give an overview of what you've been doing because I think that will also be very, very interesting for people who are business owners. And hopefully they're going to share this with their team because, I mean, gosh, if your team listens to this, they're going to understand what an amazing team member is meant to be like. So yeah, go ahead. <laughs> I mean, so I realized uh, we kind of ran into various, various issues towards the I would say like beginning of Q4 of last year so beginning of Q4 2021 Lauren and I kind of sat down and we were like 
what is the problem here? We keep, we keep running into the same issues. Why? How do we get over this? Like we want to fix it and never have to deal with it again or not have to deal with it for like the next five years and then kind of revamp. Um, and we kind of went off and thought about things. And I, I suggested that the big reason why we kept having these various problems was because we didn't have an internal ecosystem that would allow our team to sit in their respective seats and operate to their kind of highest capacity. Um, so we had very, we had like SOPs for everything pretty much. And we had Slack, which is how we, we kind of communicate with everyone at the moment. But beyond that, we didn't really have the things that I thought we should have. And so it was a lot of stuff like in yours and it was like in mine and Noor's head. Like we yeah. would oftentimes know what needs to be done and we'd have like checklists and we'd have an idea of what we were doing. Yeah. And then on the marketing side of things, I would have like marketing schedules that we'd be sticking to. But then there wasn't, there wasn't necessarily accountability. Yes, we had OKRs, but we didn't have like really clear, transparent accountability yeah. across the entire company and the entire business. And so mm -hmm. what would often end up happening is that we get into this position whereby people would say, oh, well, I'm just feeling so overwhelmed and like we're, we keep changing direction. And then that would come back to me. And then there was this one point where we actually hired this consultant to work with us on some branding stuff. And she was saying that, okay, well, the, the issue that keeps coming up is that people feel like the, the direction keeps changing. And the interesting thing was that the problem was that I was then getting dragged back into stuff, right? And then the issue then became like, okay, well, if the direction keeps changing and I keep getting dragged into things, the only reason the direction keeps changing is because things aren't getting done. And then I have to step in. And so it was like this negative cycle where either way, no one was going to win. Because yeah. if the changing direction didn't happen, then the business would not get results. And then if we change direction, people feel like we're changing direction too much. And it was causing too much stress. <laughs> and yeah. so it was like this massive catch-22 situation. And it was funny because that consultant was actually a branding consultant, not even like a strategy consultant. But... It was kind of, yeah, it highlighted these problems. And I'm telling you, this was like the most frustrating time in my life ever, ever. Because the same conversation kept happening again. It was like the same conversation again. <laughs> and so anyways, I digress. Yeah. And I think that was the biggest thing. It was lack of transparency and visibility across the board. So like Lauren would know what needed to be done and by when but there was confusion as to what's going on and like other teams weren't aware of, of that because there wasn't a way, there wasn't this communications cadence that was adopted company-wide. I'm going to give an example. Like let's both each give an example. I'll give one that like personally frustrates the hell out of me and you give one that frustrates the hell out of you because we get, we get frustrated by different things as well. So for me, something that's really frustrating, oh my gosh, that is just absolutely it's just not 
it's like it's it's just not okay right and by the way when i say when i say something like it's just not tolerated like i'm actually not mean at all to my team like i'm i'm really like honestly too nice but in my head that's the other problem i'm building up so much inner resentment because i don't also want to this whole thing like me and Nord talk about this a lot as well i can't and as a leader you shouldn't be seen as an evil villain it's really bad and so when you're talking to your team you have to be nice and constructive and smiling and empowering them to become their best version of themselves because if you just say to them I bloody hate it when you post a YouTube video without checking that all the links in the description box are working or you send an email and you don't check that the links are working okay these are these are my pet peeves by the way um <laughs> like that is so frustrating to me because but then I, I can't I can't say this was so silly you shouldn't you know I have to say look how does it make you feel if a million people saw this video and it your name was written over the top of it and they know that every single part of this video was your responsibility how would you feel and yeah. then, then they start to feel, they understand, right? That you have to empower your team to feel a certain way. And so when my team then feel this level of shame, then I'm like, okay, well, guess what? That's got my name on it. <laughs> That's my name. And everyone knows that you work at my company. And they know that your role is this one specific role. So they're going to know that it was you that made this mistake. Yeah. Okay, and then they finally see but oftentimes as well especially with like a personal brand led business which you know impact school is moving away from but if i just think about my youtube channel as a whole if something has a broken link on it for me that is like really really bad because how you do one thing is how you do everything again this is why now on your amazing company home nor we write these things there because then it reminds the team of the fact of the matter is if you can't click a link and make sure with this total follow through that it's working properly, then where else are you going to be cutting corners and just skipping things? Okay. And so this is why I think as well, like one of our main, uh, a big core value and something that we encourage our team is do difficult things, you know, do the breath work, do the cold plunges, do the difficult workouts, mm-hmm. push yourself to grow as a person because again, how you do one thing is how you do everything. But yeah, just just going back to that, like I really, like I have these pet peeves and I think it's because I know how it makes me see in the eyes of other people. If I'm looking and if I would say to myself, like if I wanted my company to be compared negatively to everyone else's, what would I do? I ask myself questions like these. Like I was just on a call before I started filming this with someone from my team who's heading up some social media stuff. And I said to him, I was like, in order for our content to continue to get sub 1000 views every time, what do we need to keep doing? And he sheepishly replied to me, he's going to watch this, sorry, but he sheepishly replied to me saying the certain things that we are doing right now. And it makes you realize what you shouldn't be doing. But anyways, so that was one of my pet peeves. What's one of yours? Um, similar to yours, I think when... Grammar? Oh, yeah. That one doesn't even count. That one's too obvious. Yeah, I mean, okay, so like when Lauren and I are on a call, we always end the call with, okay, so like, what are we, what are we going to do? Like, what what am I going to do? What's she going to do? And I'm always, 
like I will, when, whenever I get on a call, whenever I'm in a meeting, I will have something open that I, it's no, sh like reason, notion, but like, I'll have something open that I can write on. <laughs> um, so I know I have to do this and here is the timeline. So like this person needs, I need to check in with this person. I need to green light this. I need to make sure that this goes out. Um, like I don't have to do it, but like, I have to make sure that it, it's done or it's translated to the person that can make sure that that gets done. So like I, and I was kind of, I had like a moment yesterday where I was like, Lauren, I'm really frustrated. Um, because I know that like, if I say to Lauren, I need this, I don't have any doubt in my mind that it's going to get done. And it frustrates me when individuals put doubt in my mind that it's going to get done or it's not going to, it's not going to happen because if I, and I, I'm, 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 I'm very, very clear on calls as well. Do you understand? Do you have any questions? Is there anything that is not clear? If there is, please tell me, I will rephrase. I'm not getting off this call until you are crystal clear. Yes, all good, cool. And then the next day it hasn't been done. And I'm like, and that really frustrates me because if, if the instructions are not clear and that person hasn't asked, that frustrates me. I'm like, clarity is everything. Like sometimes Lauren says stuff to me and I'm like, I really don't understand. She's like, okay, cool. Like, I'll just say it in a different way. Is that clear? Um, and like, you're always checking as well, Lauren. Like, is, am, I, am I making sense? Is that clear? Have you understood what I've said? Yeah, cool. Okay, brilliant. And if you've gone the extra mile to make sure that you are being clear, and then it turns out that that person was not clear at all, like they haven't understood what you've said, that to me is really frustrating because I always say communication is everything. If something, if you don't understand something, just ask. Like I'll never get annoyed. If someone says th like three times, I don't get it. Okay, I'll explain again. I don't get it. Okay, I'll explain again. I'm never gonna be like, I'll never get upset. I'll be like, clearly I'm not doing a very good job of translating what's in my head to this person because they're not getting it. And they're here, they're great at what they do. So like, it's an issue with the communication. And it just drives me insane when people aren't, they don't ask. I'm like, oh, because I always ask. I'm like, I just really didn't, I didn't get, like in meetings sometimes, Lauren says something. I'm like, Lauren, can you just rephrase? I don't think that was very clear. She's like, yeah, 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 sure. Like I'll rephrase. And the team sees that. So like we try lead by example, like Lauren will be like, no, can you rephrase that? I, I'm not really understanding what you're saying. Or maybe if Lauren explains, like we were on a call the other day and Lauren was trying to, it was one of our design sprints for our software. And Lauren was saying something and she, I think you said it like maybe three or four times and everyone was like, like you could hear like the crickets. Um, and Lauren just looked at me and she went, no, can you please explain it? I feel like, I've run out of ways to paraphrase. And I'm like, yeah, okay. And then I explained it and I'm like, have I understood that correctly? And you're like, yeah. And then I kind of looked around the room and I was like, is everyone, you know, like, has everyone understood? And people were like, yeah. And Lauren was like, I'm so confused. Did she not just say what I said? And I'm like, I literally just said what you said the second time. So I'm not, maybe it would just took two people. <laughs> no, but you can see, this is the other amazing thing about, you know, when you find someone who is the opposite of you and you compliment each other. Like Nor is able to articulate things that I is in that's in my head that I've explained to her that now mm -hmm. she can explain in a way that 
she knows other people will understand it. Like sometimes I'm so visionary and I'm seeing so far into the future and the direction where I want to go that I forget to explain the really intricate details, which the rest of the team needs to understand to understand how we're going to get there. Because otherwise the gap in between the now and the future seems so distant. Right. And so I'll explain something to Noel and Noel will like, Noel will just grasp it. She'll kind of critique it and criticize certain elements, which I really appreciate. And she'll add her thoughts and her ideas and how we can get there and actually what we need to do to do that. And then explain it to everyone else in a way that's not going to overwhelm them. Because that's one of the things that I find myself doing is like, I know so clearly where we're going to go and I know how we're going to get there, but I don't know the direct, like intricate details. And that's what Noor is amazing with. And I also think as well, Noor, like you definitely don't give yourself enough credit because I really do think that this company, how it is now, we would not have been able to get here if it wasn't for you. And I really also don't think that I, like we, whenever we message each other, we're always like, I don't say this enough, but I'm so grateful for you and I appreciate you so much, but it is so true. And it's like one of those things that I especially think that as leaders, you know, we have the ability to impact so, so many people's lives. And we are doing this, especially with what we do at Impact School, because we get to impact the entrepreneurs who then impact their clients. Mm -hmm. And I think as well, like, it's just amazing to see you step into this new level of confidence and certainty in yourself, because that's going to have, you know, the strength is going to allow you to step into everything that you're doing in such a more powerful way which means that there's going to be more decisiveness behind things. There's going to be more certainty. And that's really what, at the end of the day, the team needs. And I think it's just, it's honestly been so beautiful to see, especially I would say over the last six months, even the last three months, like your personal growth and how it's trickling into your professional growth. Yeah. It's where I really think you and I, we, we, we undervalued it way too much before we really undervalued taking care of your own personal things outside of work because I think at the end of the day I mean I don't know about you but I didn't even really think that I used to have hobbies <laughs> yeah <laughs> like I just I mean I like my hobby I love to train but yeah. even my training was becoming monotonous Whereas now I've started doing some like different types of training I'm training with some people and I'm actually having enjoyment from it in a different way rather than just me training just for the sake of training. Yeah, 100%. Mm. Like, people used to be like, so what do you do outside of work? I was like, go to the gym. More work. And, like, <laughs> listen to audios, like, audiobooks, podcasts, because I don't have time to read. And they were oh like, my God. oh, okay. See what you in And I was like, I go for dinner sometimes at nice restaurants. And I like food. And they were like, Okay, <laughs> that's true. That's true. So, what do you, what is one thing which you wish you had started doing sooner that would have empowered you as a leader to become better sooner? Um, that is such a good question. I think being honest with myself is probably mm. like number one. Like, I I'm very very good at feeding myself a narrative that's not necessarily true. Um, and I think everything changed, and that sounds very cliche and dramatic, but everything changed for me, I would say two months ago, two and a half, 
two and a half months ago, when I stopped, when I kind of blocked out the noise and I blocked out what I thought people expected of me, who I thought, what I thought people expected in terms of who I should be, how I should behave, how my life should look, um, a job title that I should have. Everything changed when I put that aside. And I was like, what do I want and what do I need right now mm. for me to be happy, for me to, and happiness is it's such a broad word, but happiness for me is broadly speaking in every aspect of my life. So feeling happy at work, feeling happy personally, like mentally, physically, like feeling okay, feeling myself. And that when I started being honest with myself about what that looked like, what that meant for me. And I just kind of was like, I said this to you a few weeks ago, the only person that has to live with my choices is me. So as much as people around me may expect me to do certain things or be certain things or dress in a certain way, like I'm the only person that has to deal with those, with the repercussions of those choices. So the person that I should really be listening to is myself. And when I started doing that, like you said to me a month and a half ago, like something's happened and you're different. Like you, I, there's a different energy. There's a different sense of excitement and motivation that I haven't seen in a while. Um, and I was like, I feel different. Like I haven't felt this good in a very long time. And that kind of trickled into every aspect of my life, like what I'm doing outside of work, what I'm doing in work, the conversations that I have with people at work, with our team, with you, um, getting involved in stuff like this. Like I was, I had this idea of who I was supposed, I was meant to be someone behind the screen. Like I wasn't, and we're like, to be fair, we're in front of screens, but what I mean is like on the back end, like I was meant to be the person that like people kind of knew of because of the role that I play, but like didn't really know of. And that was who I was meant to be. Like I wasn't meant to get involved in stuff like this. Um, and not because you put limits on me because I put limits on myself. And I had this notion of like, you are a quiet person that just likes to sit down and get stuff done and not talk to people. And I'm like, that's really not true because if anything, I'm the one that talks to most people. <laughs> and I was like, that doesn't match the idea that I've been feeding this narrative that I've been feeding myself. So to answer your question, I think just being honest with myself, with you, like you, Lauren and I have these conversations every, I feel like we have them more now, like more regularly. It's like, what do you want? Like, you know, like, what is it that you want to be involved in? Like, you know, what do you, you know, like your days, like, what do you want to be doing? Like, do you want to be more involved in this side of things? Like, do you want to have more of a say here? Like, what do you need from me on a daily basis? Like we have those very, very open conversations. And I think I'm trying very hard now to be more honest with you, Lauren, and like with myself as to what I want that to look like, what I want my involvement to be. And Lauren very rightly so said to me, I will call you out. Like if I feel like you are limiting yourself or you're not pushing yourself enough, I'll hold you accountable. So like during the pand during like the kind of, when the pandemic was like, it was a thing, but like it was getting better. 
Lauren was like, oh, do, like, should we, you know, just, should we go, just go to Turkey? It was Turkey, wasn't it? It was Turkey. Yeah, yeah Turkey. Was, it was Turkey. And it was like an incredible opportunity. I hadn't seen her in a while. Um, it would have been really, really great for the business as well. Um, and I was like, mm, no, because I was stressed about being out of a routine and what that would mean for the team and not being as available, as reachable for the team, what that would mean for the business, what that would mean for like my work and like fulfillment and all of, like the satisfaction that I got from being there for everyone. Um, and stupidly was made excuses as to, no, I can't come. And Lauren kind of like, like pushed, but like in a really gentle way. And so she said to me a few, <laughs> few weeks ago when we had that conversation and I was like, I want to push myself more. I want to go to meetings with you and sit at the table and have a place at the table and have a voice. And Lauren was like, I've always wanted that. And she was like, I will push you. Like if I feel like you are limiting yourself, I will hold up my hand and be like, no, you're being an idiot. You need to just do this. Just jump, just do it. And I was like, I really appreciate that. And again, like you being honest with me and being like, you're being an idiot because this is a great opportunity. You're being a moron. I'll be like, okay, yeah, I'm being a moron. Let's, let's move past it. Well, I think as well, like, you know, I, I know that you deserve it. I think it's just taken you a while to internalize that. And I know it's still something that you're working on, yeah. but as you know, right, I always see the potential in people, but with you, it's not even potential. It's like, it's, there's evidence and it's just fact. And that's the difference. And so that's why I'm excited about the next phase because we are working on such huge things at Impact School and the things that we're going to be able to do to actually empower other people, being able to have you involved and operate on the high level and do the things that I do yeah. as well. I think we're going to overcome things like you mentioned earlier, how you feel lonely sometimes, you know, when you go to these events and when I'm constantly like, I, I felt lonely probably until about eight months ago and then it just vanished because yeah. I suddenly started finding all these people who I could relate to and I think as well that's because for me I had built up more and more evidence as to why I deserve to be around them before I didn't really believe it and I didn't really think that I should be there I remember even when I spoke at War Room yeah. I was like, oh my gosh, this is so scary. Like everyone here is so much more successful than me. But then no, like I, I did deserve to be there. I earned my right to be there. Yeah. And yeah. I think as well from Clubhouse, that also gave me a lot of confidence. But again, like you weren't doing those things. Like you were running the day to day. And now you've got more space because you're not running the day to day and run and work on these more strategic decisions. That's um that's gonna be the the exciting next step. And something that you said to me a while back when we were talking is that and you mentioned it on this podcast earlier is that you want to make an impact right like that's what's really important to you and so for you what does that look like I mean over the next let's just even go in the more short term like two to three to five years like how does that look for you and what do you want to yeah what do you want to do um very big question I think I always say um like when people ask me now um I'm very vague about it for, I don't want to say like, I feel like security is the wrong word, but like, you know what I mean? Like we've kind of both been burnt and like slapped in the past 
Um, and yeah. it's not to say that people that are asking me what we're kind of working on would do that, but it's more so just like there's still a lot of things that are in the in the works and like haven't yeah. materialized yet and we're working on so I just want to be mindful and like kind of protective over that but I loosely say when people are like so what's the plan like what are you doing I'm like well we're building something that's going to change the world and people are like okay and I'm like I'm not really going to say more than that but like it's going to change the industry and I think the reach that it will have in five ten years will exceed that quite drastically as well and that's oh, yeah. really 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 exciting like you and I kind of spoke about the software in education and that for me is so exciting because I remember being at school and being at uni and I wasn't like a traditionally academically gifted student like I had to work really hard and I also had very distinct learning styles that traditional academia didn't really accommodate for and I know you're the same Lauren like Lauren and I was saying this to my sister I was like Lauren is not good at reading and like she won't mind me saying that because she says that all the time but like <laughs> you give her an audio on two times speed which isn't really like normal people can't process that like sometimes you'll send me a recording on two times speed and I'm like Lauren I didn't understand the word <laughs> um, <laughs> But she'll be able to tell you main takeaways she will get from that. And that is like the way that your brain works is incredible. But at school, you get given textbooks. And if you are like an auditory learner, you aren't going to do as well as someone who, you know, can read text, large amounts of text and take that in. And I think the possibilities of our software and what it can do in the education space, in the corporate space for like internal trainings um, is really freaking exciting. And I think going back to impact, I don't see how that, like I, you, like I can't even fathom if things go the way you and I are anticipating that they're gonna go and we continue working away at things as we have the last I don't know how long it's been now like we kind of started this when I was in Dubai that's when we kind of set things in motion which is yeah. what like a year and a half ago now yeah um so it's been a year and a half in the making and like we have a very long way to go but I can't put into words how exciting it is and the amount of possibilities like I can't they don't fit in my head and like if that makes sense like it's just the possibilities are tremendous and the impact that this could have in the industry but beyond that is insane like this could be used in like in in poorer countries for education purposes it you know it provides access to to smaller communities like we can have like you know a bank of of courses by um, you know, that have been put together by businesses around the globe that we can give access to people. So people in, you know, who can't afford to go to freaking, I don't know, Columbia University and pay 60 grand a year for four years can can educate themselves and can learn um, a skill and can create the life that they want to have without forking over four years of their life and getting into debt for no guaranteed reason that they're going to be able to come out of that. And so 
that's kind of what I see broadly speaking in terms of impact. I don't have, um, I don't have like crystal clear ideas as to what that's going to look like, but I think the possibilities, and that again sounds very cliche. I'm just like a walking, talking cliche, but the possibilities are endless. Like the team that we have are incredible. Everyone is so passionate about what they do, myself and Lauren included, and we're the ones that are kind of driving things. Um, and I think that I'm, <laughs> I almost wish that I could like fast forward a year, just like a real sneak peek, just to see where we'll be at, and then do the same for like five and 10 years, just, just, just a little sneak peek. Um, but I have no doubt that this is going to be revolutionary and it's really, really exciting and no one, no one in the industry out of the industry really is is doing this and we've done extensive research and looked at kind of competitors and different softwares and education tools and stuff and like as someone who's spent a significant portion of their adult life in education like I did a three-year undergraduate degree a year master that's four years of my life there was a lot that was lacking that I felt would have enriched my experience and my development and my growth if I had the right tool um, or tools available to me and that's what essentially we're aiming to do but on a much larger scale which is very exciting yeah and I think this is the beautiful thing about what we're doing right because all those ideas we can make happen and then you especially <laughs> are gonna help me prioritize them and organize them into the right order as well of execution because that's the thing as well like sometimes when there's so much opportunity it can actually be a, a detriment and yeah. so I remember when I was first getting on for example clubhouse getting hundreds of dms a day it's impossible to keep up with it like I even check my facebook and my linkedin and it's just it's yeah. crazy yeah. but that's where you have to keep so crystal clear on the vision and then with regards to all this I mean yeah that's isn't that crazy like the the industries that we can, that we will impact and that we're going to impact are actually endless. Like I look outside of my balcony here and I see these, there's, I mean, I, I don't know, I can see probably at least 60 skyscrapers, like not even yeah. exaggerating, like genuinely out, out here. And but I'd say about half of them are office buildings. Like I literally see a world in which every floor of these office buildings is going through one of the frameworks which has been created on our software and that's so cool because see that group of people who are going through those frameworks they haven't even seen like you know the back end for example if an entrepreneur is building something that doesn't even like that side of things with education and professional training that doesn't even include the elements in which we're empowering smaller entrepreneurs to systematize so they can scale yeah. for example through quick little you know funnels and landing page and and automation stuff and so there the opportunities really are endless and I think I'm just very grateful that we've been through all the crap that we've been through all the hard times and no we're gonna have to record an entire podcast on some of the hardest times that we've had in business because that's been crazy that has been crazy um but we've been through all of that stuff and we're building something based upon what we use like, this is what we use. This is what we do for entrepreneurs, by entrepreneurs. That's the difference. We're not a VC-backed company that's just gone into business because we think it's a nice idea. We're in business because it's what we do. 
we are doing this, we bootstrap this whole thing. Why? Because we have had to invest in it ourselves because we needed the solution. That is the difference. And then it can scale beyond that from seeing what our clients are doing. Conversations with one of our clients, Raj, who has a multi, 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 multi-million dollar business. Nor you worked very closely with him. I mean, he is evidence. And he, he was even the one that came to us saying, hey, Lauren, hey, Nor, we want to actually license some of your material to get that out there to the rest of the world on a larger scale. That yeah. inspired me to think bigger. Right? I wasn't even thinking that big at first. At first, I was wanting to build the SaaS for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. I wasn't even going on this enterprise level. And so this is where it's also so powerful to take inspiration from your clients, take inspiration from your team, and take inspiration from the problems in the market. And so, North, one final question then for you, because I'm going to ask this to everyone who's coming on, and I just think it's going to be valuable. And obviously, you are part of Impact School. And one of the questions that I ask every guest on this podcast is, if you could teach one course that every person in the world has to go through, what course would it be? And at what stage of their life would they go through it? Um, I know I didn't warn you of this one, so my bad for any of these questions. <laughs> You're good. It's a good um, question though, no? Yeah, it's a good I mean, question. I think it's good. I think, and like, uh, I'm biased because of the role that I'm in, but I think I would do a leadership course. Mm. And I would have people go through that um, probably like early to mid twenties, which is, which is very young. And the reason behind that is I think I genuinely believe that not everyone can be a leader. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think that the skills that one would learn when trying to be a leader, trying to develop into a leader are invaluable. So we all, to some degree, would love to inspire and motivate and lead, like rally and lead people towards a purpose. And I think that's really, really powerful. And I also think that going through a leadership course gives someone confidence. Like it wasn't until I started seeing mm. myself as a leader of a team or people that I started to develop confidence that I never thought I would have. And I think I'm pretty, I mean, I don't think you can be like a personal trainer and not be confident. Like it kind of instills it in you, but in a very, very, very different, almost like superficial way. Mm. Um, and when I came into impact school and I was, I kind of went through my journey of like, you know, junior level sales position, manager, leader, and then kind of developed and evolved there um I realized how how much I lacked confidence in myself and like what I could do and that you know that voice in your head that's like you don't deserve to be here or you don't deserve to be in that position um like you know you're not that great like all that sort of stuff and I think I think, like you said, it helps to have evidence. Like I was saying this to my um, 
I was saying this to my sister yesterday or the day before, and I had a conversation with someone, and they were like, I'm not, I'm not bad at my job. I'm not great at it, but I'm not bad at it. And I was like, that's a horrible thing to say. I was like, I would never, I don't think I could be in a job and be like, I'm not great at it. Do you know what I mean? And I thought when I started, I knew that I was good at my job because I had proof. It was like I had an average of, I don't know how many sales calls booked per hour. And I knew that there was evidence to support that. But when you move into a managerial and a leadership position, it's difficult because you're judged, your performance is other people's performance. So like how your team performs is a reflection of you and how well you're doing your role and the morale of the team and how happy people are and the KPIs that are being hit, that's a reflection of you to a large degree. And I think the confidence for me started developing slowly. And I think I've only recently realized when I, when that person said that to me, like, I'm not bad at my job. I'm okay. I was like, I'm really good at, I, I'm, I was like, I'm very good at my job. Like I wouldn't trust anyone else to do it because I don't think that, and that's, that sounds, that does sound quite arrogant, but what I mean is like, and you and I, had, it's true. Yeah. I mean, you, you and I had this conversation, but I, I think it, this job in specific, I'm not saying like there are COOs in the world that are far better than me, but this job in specific, because of the relationship that you and I have, and because of the trust that I have worked hard to develop with our team, I don't think we could put someone else into my role right now. Um, and I was like, when I said that, cause they were like, oh yeah, I'm not great at it. I'm okay. I was like, that's a shit position to be in. And I was wow. like, I'm really good at my job. And I really like that I'm good. And I like that I can say, and you and I had this little hiccup where someone who works alongside us, I won't say with, like alongside us kind of questioned me and I kind of lost it. And I was like, I was like, no one in this company with the exception of with, and again, like feedback is different from, from like criticism with, with no real purpose or no real intent. But this person was being a bit rude for the sake of being a bit rude. And I'd lost it. And I was like, no one apart from Lauren has worked harder than me. And I've proved myself time and time again, I don't have to answer to that. I don't have to take that. And you were like, Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Sassy, no. I like it. I like it. But the other thing as well, Nora, about you is that, and this is really, this for me is an amazing trait of someone who's going to be just so good on your team. You always say, look, Lauren, I do not feel good about myself if I don't feel like I can do a good job. Yeah. And I think the fact that you take it so seriously and so personally is really, really powerful. But at the same time, it can be dangerous because it can mean that it genuinely affects you mentally. And yeah. so this is where I love how we're so systems focused because if it's getting to the point where you aren't setting yourself up to win or there's someone on the team who just literally can't win because the situation is impossible for them to win. Maybe they don't have enough people on their team. Maybe they don't have the right systems. Maybe they don't have the right knowledge because they're the wrong person in that seat. Then something has to change. Yeah. 
And yeah, look, I mean, this has been uh, an amazing podcast. And obviously we talk for like many hours every day. And so that's why this, this has been like an, over an hour and a half now. That's crazy. Yeah. But this has been so good and all. And I'm just so grateful for you. And I'm so excited that you're stepping into this desire to come into the online content. Because look, I mean you know I just love and adore you and appreciate you and I'm just I'm super happy and you deserve to be putting your stuff out there because the impact that you have made and that you continue to make on a daily basis is just so profound and the team loves you so much they confide in you they trust in you and it's amazing amazing to see and uh yeah I'm grateful for you and this has been an amazing podcast and if anyone wants to I'm gonna no I'm gonna I'm gonna get you to do this I'll get Noor to do a live training in our Facebook group about how to build an amazing rockstar team. And so make sure to join our Facebook group. If you go on Facebook and just type in Impact School, there's going to be a group that pops up, has thousands of members. Okay, just join that one. It's not the one with just like less than 1,000 members. That's our clients. But join the one that has more than 1,000 members. There's like 3,000 in there, but obviously that's going to grow. Maybe we'll call people if they aren't engaging. But no, I just want to say thank you so much, guys. Get in our Facebook group for sure. Um, hey, if they want to share this, maybe they tag you on social. What's your IG? Um, I think it's Noor V Barrage. So N-O-O-R-V-B-A-R-R-A-G-E. Um, and that's Instagram and I think Twitter. Yeah. Oh, Twitter as well. Damn, I didn't know you were on that. That's good. Awesome, guys. Well, thanks so much to everyone for listening. Nora and I are going to be back. The episodes that are going to be coming are how to fire people properly <laughs> and strategically. Yeah. Second one is going to be the darkest moments in business. And then third, we'll see. But Nora is going to be going live in our Facebook group. I'm like, I'm going live in our Facebook group too. Maybe me and Nora can even do it together. That'll be fun. And make sure that you subscribe to this on whatever platform you're using. And we will see you next time. Thank you so much. Not any final words? No, this has been really, really fun. And um, yeah, I'm super grateful for you and Impact School and grateful for you for pushing me to do stuff like this because it's it's fun. Like, it's actually really, like I enjoy the chats and it's just, it's just for selfish reasons as well. It's just a nice kind of reflection as well. And hopefully you mm. guys will find it valuable um listening to this um in some shape way or form will derive value from something that we've said today which is good um but yeah thank thank you yeah i'm excited to see the feedback as well i'm enjoying this longer form content and hopefully hopefully the people are too but maybe maybe we can even take this long episode and turn it into many small ones just maybe just maybe anyways all right much love to everyone and goodbye